Hello and welcome to the Public Health Insight Podcast. We will be engaging in an interactive discussion of the latest public health issues affecting you and your communities all around the world. My name is Sully and I am joined by four of my friends. Ben. LaShawn. Gordon. And Will. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or affiliated with. In this episode, we'll be picking up right where we left off in our COVID-19 discussion. We'll be sharing tales from the quarantine of everyday people and talking about the successes and failures of COVID-19 testing. So uh, I'll open up the floor. What are your tales, guys? I started baking cookies. Oh, yeah. Those green yeah. those green cookies? Yeah, bro. <laughs> what, the, what, what were they? <laughs> matcha, white chocolate. Oh, matcha. Okay. Oh. Yeah. That's what happens when you're. What happens when you're stuck in the home, like when they're stuck in the house for oh, weeks. You sure it wasn't an OCS yeah, cookie? Of, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, kind of okay. run out of things to do, man. Oh, I see, I see. Anyone else do anything fun? I saw the uh, sun this, for the first time in a while, uh, so that was cool. She. Yeah. It was. Uh, it's kind of sunny today, so I took Theo for a walk. So. He's pretty happy. Hopefully, he doesn't make too much noise while we're filming this thing. Wait, may, wait. Maybe you should introduce Theo to the podcast, right? Yeah, now who is Theo? No, it's a, if he if I introduce him, it's uh, no, no. Just know, say who stuff. he is. Oh, Theodore is uh, my son. He has uh, four <laughs> legs, and he uh, he's very small, and he's a mix of pug and Shih Tzu. I think the the audience they want a picture. How can we give it to them? We'll do. We'll, oh, what we'll do? Episode two. They gotta follow us on episode Instagram. Episode two thumbnail. We'll put Theo's picture. Oh, okay, all right. That's what we'll do. I'll we'll make it. No, no, no. It's an Instagram special. Instagram Ooh. special for the followers. Instagram special. All right, y'all. But make sure you there's tune image in. rights. There's image rights with his mom and stuff. I don't probably oh. have to pay for that and stuff. Okay, it's too okay. hectic, you know. Yeah. Let's steer clear for that. Stay clear for that. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember social distancing. Social distancing. Oh yeah, about social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> no, yo, no, yo, no, 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 we actually have to share some stories. Come on. What come are you on, talking about? On. We've been sharing, bro. No, 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 no. Share some stories. All right, all right. I got a story. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So for social distancing, I don't know about y'all, but um, you can play games on like Discord, which is a a web based. What what is it? Well, I, I don't even know the correct term to describe it. Is that mm. that Fortnite type thing? No, 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 definitely. Not. It's like Discord is like a voice chat. It's like Skype and um, Steam mixed together. Yeah, so you can like play that games. That clears with people. it up a lot for people like me who don't know what <laughs> what that what that is, Sully. So it's a Wikipedia slash Steam. Uh, viewers can do their own research, but basically mm. you can set up. Like, you don't have to be, like, social distancing and social isolation don't have to be the same thing. So you can play games online over the internet with your friends. So we are been setting that up. There's also Netflix watching parties that are a thing, but TBH, I just fall, fall asleep through it. All right. So today, the the Canada's health minister, Patty Haidu, uh, she had exercised her powers to enforce some of those self-isolation and uh, social distancing procedures that are not being followed. Uh, so what do you guys think about that? Would you be able to maybe clarify for everyone what those, I guess, actions were that she wanted to um, so enforce? So in, uh, in some cases, so, people, so returning travelers uh, from foreign countries, obviously, 
uh, are now mandated to self-quarantine for a 14-day period or else they will be there will be some type of penalty whether it's monetary or criminal penalty for violating those conditions and as well as per normal if you are diagnosed with uh, COVID-19 you and you violate your self-isolation orders you may also get in trouble so in India and um, I can't remember where else there's another European country they have also had strict measures like this so what do you guys think good bad ugly I think at this point seeing how in Canada there's been numerous cases where people have just blatantly disregarded the recommendations put forth by the public health agency or the chief public health officer Mm. I feel like at at this stage it's probably the for the best right It's, it's it's either we go forth with enforcing the emergency act i believe it's called Mm. or you know you can risk not actually flattening the curve and cases popping off well i think it's kind of like what we were talking about last episode we were talking about how maybe people weren't taking uh covid19 seriously Mm -hmm. but i think when when you start enforcing um certain rules or like social distancing um, people will start to take it seriously because when monetary, um, when there's a, when there's monetary fines, people tend to maybe follow that more so than if there weren't any sort of fines enforced. But my question is, how would you actually enforce this? Like, how will that actually look? So I heard that once when people come in through the airports, they at the kiosks they either sign or check off a box saying that they acknowledge the need to go home and quarantine for 14 days. And so I feel like if someone was to avoid that agreement, um, you can kind of backtrack and be like, okay, this person came in, came back to the country within the last week, and now they're out and about running around, right? Because if their whole city or their whole community is on a lockdown or is, you know, is advised to be, social isolating and you just see these people still out and about at the parks you know playing or you know having parties having picnics then when the law enforcement officers or whoever do approach them and apprehend them you know that's you can kind of connect the dots there and i'm sure the the law enforcement authorities have yes a system in place yeah do you think um the community plays a role in enforcing this as well like some sort of community watch i so that that's what I was thinking about earlier and I think I think that's kind of problematic because if we kind of get into the that aspect of community accountability then I think it can really emphasize and foster almost like people snitching and tattling on each other right, right? like discrimination mm. too right mm. exactly right. for example right. if I, if I heard people upstairs or like downstairs or like my neighbors you know having a loud noise i can be like oh okay maybe they're having a party maybe they're having people over i'm gonna call whoever and get them in trouble right and i think it's and then i think that just really disrupts the whole neighborhood community vibe and it's, that's not good either so I, it's it's difficult so i'm thinking this community-based thing i'm i'm thinking about it in a less serious note so instead of 
um, calling authorities on people. It would be like just like the community um, approaching each other and like enforcing it on on themselves. Um, mm. In contrast to like having the police over. Yeah, because that goes into law enforcement services and whether those services are readily available to handle these type of disputes. I mean, I understand where Will's coming from, but I also think to play devil's advocate that it's context dependent on the community. For example, if some communities are so tight knit and everyone knows each other, then the whole keeping everything accountable system is probably going to be more successful. Yeah, we'll best work with that type of community. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, but I also agree that when you bring into the whole um, snitching and tattling sort of atmosphere and mentality, people are probably going to do whatever they want. They're just going to be more secretive about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll have people over. It's just like, hey, guys, keep it down a bit so Will doesn't know that we're here. You know, kind of that type of actions are going to take place. So it's it's hard to say. So what you're saying at this point. So what you're saying is it's culture dependent. It's, it's definitely culture and context dependent. Mm-hmm. But I think... Um, whatever gordon said about how mandatory or sorry a more better way to say a better way to say this is um how there's actual legit consequences to the lack of social distancing from a government perspective is probably the better idea Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we just have to kind of see how it evolves because like will said like i don't think or sorry either will or lashawn said is that i don't think people take things seriously until there's a financial aspect to it so speaking of finances Canadian federal government announced a $107 billion emergency aid package, which will begin kind of going out to all Canadians who have been affected by the pandemic starting sometime in April. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? You're referring to the employment insurance? Um, Not necessarily. No, it's. I think they, they combined two items, the the... the employment as well as just individuals who are affected whether they're taking care of family members or if they themselves have been affected by covid they kind of just wrapped everything together into one financial aid package instead of having two two different ones but anyways like just yeah so that financial package what do you guys think about it yeah i think if such thing is implemented i really think it was stimulate the economy because like now it's getting very stagnant and if we're not careful it's gonna go into like a recession uh the likes of which of like 2008 um Mm -hmm. yeah so stimulating the economy as in like okay you give people money to just buy stuff and when they do that like it will move the whole economy forward i mean not like to the same extent like it was before but it will like counteract what what's happening right now. So one of the problems with the economic response package, right? Uh, as Lashawn alluded to, there's an EI component, and then there's just a component where um, if you if your income is essentially insufficient because you maybe weren't able to work as much because of the lockdowns, you would get. Uh, I think, is it families or individuals? I'm not sure that would get $2,000 a month. But there are certain requirements that make you eligible or ineligible to get those benefits. So uh, I was watching the, um, they were they had the bill in the, in parliament, I think today, and they were tr- trying to work out the details of 
what the bill will look like when it's passed. And one of the things that uh, the finance minister got drilled on was if for people who are essentially self-employed, who maybe earned like $100 or so, they're going to not be eligible for those benefits. So there's a lot of issues of how the bill is structured and who's eligible and who will benefit and who won't benefit. So I don't know if that is the answer. And from my experience of looking at kind of bailouts and economic stimulus packages, it never ends up really trickling down to those who need it. Like, for example, the 2008 bailout uh, that Obama passed, a lot of banks and uh, CEOs profited from that, and it never really uh, trickled down to the workforce. A lot of people mm-hmm. still, still got laid out, laid off. So I think this time it seems that they're trying, they keep mentioning they're trying to put checks in the hands of Canadians, which is different. So I'm not, maybe that will have more of an effect because when you get put the buying power in Canadians' hands, you can, you can have trickle up economics so that will help grow the economy. I want to, that's yeah, interesting, Gordon. I want to bring to your attention, uh, so like what happened in 2008 when Obama like passed this thing. Um, in contrast to that, uh, I think Australia um, actually gave uh, like I think $700 or so to each, each individual in the country. And mm-hmm. like they didn't suffer as much as other countries because of that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So just to, I guess, move on to a, di- a related point. So I, I, it's interesting that you brought up Obama and the 2008 situation because I wanted to talk about what our neighbors in the, to our south, like how they've responded to the situation in terms of economic stimulus packages, mm. right? Because they, uh, I believe the U.S. Senate passed a bill mm-hmm. for $2 trillion. That's right. Or, or at least $2 trillion. And I guess the president of the United States is very adamant on saying that he believes this pandemic and this situation would blow by and by the time Easter rolls around. Mm. What do you boys think about comments like that? And just the uh, other, man, the other comments to, that we've been start. hearing from him. I'll go last because I have a lot to say. So I, I, re- I know that President Trump mm. sometime last week was talking about, you know, an, an, an anti-malarial drug. Oh, okay. Chloro, chloroquine, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, he, he was touting it as, you know, a possible treatment or... Miracle drug. Yeah. Miracle, Miracle drug, yes. It against, may work or it may not work. <laughs> against COVID-19. <laughs> and, you know, very recently, I believe as yesterday... I heard that, unfortunately, a, a gentleman in Arizona, mm. him and his wife, took some 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 products with chloroquine. That's right. And mm. the man died. So mm. just have I just think that having, you know, the leader of your country, just being such a loose cannon and just saying stuff like this, it's. Yeah. It's a public health hazard, is it not? Yeah, yeah. because I mean, the problem mm-hmm. the problem is this it's you're balancing hope with reality. Exactly. Right? So there when there's hope without any reality, then people their expectations is different than what's what's actually happening. So chloroquine is an anti malarial drug. 
that has been used for years and it's been shown to be very safe for those people who use it for the original intended purpose. Okay. Okay. So when you have when you have drug repurposing, which is when you're using a drug for a different condition than what it was intended or approved for, then that leads to you have to go through another set of clinical trials, essentially mm. to to scale that up to to apply it to a different population with a different illness. And in this case, we're talking about COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. So the problem is so and and azithromycin. Essentially, there was a combination of azithromycin and chloroquine, and there's a derivative of chloroquine called hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. So those were used in combination in in for some patients in China, uh, somewhat successfully. But I think the sample size was about less than a hundred people. Mm. So it's not generalizable to the public in China, much less generalizable to a whole different population in the United States. So when you see stuff like that, and then in the same press conference, Will, you have mm-hmm. the, the, you know, I keep talking about him, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's, who's leading the, the COVID-19 task force for the United States. Very smart guy, a lot of experience. In that same press conference, he has to go up. This guy's face palming in press conferences that he has to sit through with Trump. It's unbelievable because in, in the same sentence, he has to go up and say, I, my job, my responsibility is basically not to check the president for every wrong thing he says. This guy looks so stressed <laughs> out, man. Like you watch CNN, this guy, he's already old. The guy's like 79 or something. Right. And like in the last three weeks, I've seen this guy. The man looks so old. Man, man looks so stressed out. This man. guy's like, I, no, I don't want man. to have none of that. What the hell? Yo, it's hectic. man. Tr- Trump will say one thing. Then he'll pop off on reporters because it, he doesn't like that they're asking him questions that he should be able to answer. And then when when he doesn't, if you watch him too, when he doesn't feel like it or if he, it's too hot in the room, Trump leaves. He 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 talk he whispers in Pence's ear and he's like, "I'm out." And then Pence has to take the heat. It's mm. crazy. So I've been kind of keeping track of um, the case in I guess the situation in China, mm. even though. The epicenter has been moving to Europe, right? And I've and I've noticed that an interesting kind of new development is that it's not that China isn't having any any new cases. Mm. It's I mean, first off, it's their number of cases they are getting each day has drastically decreased. Mm-hmm. Same with the number of deaths, mm-hmm. but also it seems that the, the cases in China. Are mostly linked with international travel, the new cases, rather than yeah, rather yeah. than community transmission, right. and that's what I mm. find to be very interesting, but also kind of, you know, just it just shows how things kind of come full circle, right? Like it right? goes, and then now it's feeding back into the original genesis of the whole thing. Mm. Exactly, right? right? It's like right. Um, I believe sometime this earlier this week, they're reporting cases of people returning to China from the United States. Right with COVID, and that was mm. kind of been feeding it back into the population. But you know right. that you know why that's a huge problem though, because I think when you do the numbers, right, only point one percent of China's population got confirmed positives with COVID nineteen. So you you have ninety nine point nine percent of the population, right, who mm-hmm. can get COVID nineteen. So you can have several more outbreaks 
if they don't make the right decisions from right here. Right. So that's so that's that's a huge problem. That's a good point. That's yeah, just the just capability of China having just another outbreak of a second wave, a third wave, like whatever, right? So well, well, just a quick question. So that second wave is that due to China repatriating um, Chinese citizens back into China from America? I I don't I won't, I wouldn't be able to answer you. No, for that not one. not only America, just from from Europe too. Like generally travelers. Okay, so, yeah. so they yeah. are. Yeah. So, so just yeah. I just brought up the I just brought up America because that was just what I read. Right. In the, in the America. The America piece. is one of them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm wondering about. I guess the protocol they have at the airports to screen for individuals that may have COVID-19. Like, is there any system in place? Like, I know in Canada, it's kind of like that self-reporting and signing a little waiver. It's very similar to what we have in Canada. Okay. So just a bit of context for our listeners. In Canada, um, they've they've limited international flights to the four largest airports in Canada, mm-hmm. which is the one in, in Vancouver, mm-hmm. Calgary, Toronto and Montreal mm-hmm. and all international flights must enter the country at one of these four locations and in China I believe it's very it's a similar um, system where there are I want to say 10 to 12 major airports where international flights can come in and flights can leave and once travelers arrive at these destinations it's the full nine yards of you know screening them questions asking them about where they've been and then doing all the the temperature testing and everything like that and once people i think even are suspected of having covid right they get moved into a specialized hotel slash hospitals kind of setting where they're just kept in rooms um and monitored um, by doctors and health professionals until they pass the 14 day period or if the conditions get more and more serious, then things get escalated. But that, yeah, also their their hmm. thing, their testing capability now, I think it's way superior to what we have. They can get, I believe, results in four hours. Wow! And wow. our our turnaround time is not four hours. So they hmm. within the the person lands, they can theoretically get tested at the airport and have the results before they go to bed. Sorry, I'm not familiar with that. Um, is that a different technology that they're using to get that result back quicker? Or I'm not sure why the turnaround time is shorter, but it they can get results in four hours. And I think I was watching, um, I was watching a TED Talk kind of interview with Bill Gates today, and he was saying that from from his inside knowledge, the U.S. can they're getting closer to shorter turnaround times, and I imagine Canada would be pretty similar. Um, but, uh, I'm not sure why it's so quick there. That's something we could look into. All right, boys, that was a very interesting discussion, but, um, do you guys have anything else you wanted to add before we kind of end off today? I just, I had one thing I just wanted to kind of remind everyone and just our listeners at home, just everyone out there that, you know, despite all these restrictions on social isolation and social distancing, um, that it's we're to be physically distancing ourselves, not like it's not socially, you know, separating ourselves from our friends, our families. So even during this time, I just encourage you know all you guys as well as myself and 
everyone who's who's listening to you know reach out to friends reach out to family um keep checking on your neighbors check on those people you care about and just you know make make an effort to really take some time out of your day to for the human moments of life so wholesome so wholesome (laughs) i love you the heart of the group yeah that's a great point will and um also i just wanted to bring up one point so we got a lot of comments about um the quality of our last episode uh people thought that the quality was too good to be recorded online from so oh yeah yeah so we're so good we just wanted to remind you guys that we are in fact recording these podcasts online and we're not doing it in person um so we just really want to stress to you guys that um you all should take social distancing seriously yeah yeah don't wait for the you don't want to lose money don't lose money you five thousand dollars last last also last word it's gonna come to a point because in newfoundland they're taking away driver's license. So if you like to go to the grocery store to pick stuff up and you should be self-isolating because you're a returning traveler or you've been diagnosed with COVID-19 or you're a close contact of someone who's been diagnosed with COVID-19, you can get your driver's license happen. taken away. How, how do they enforce that? Want that? So uh, that, that's, that's no, 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 mind, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's And remember, public health is a field of inquiry and an arena for action to improve lives, one population at a time. This has been the Public Health Insight Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please drop us a like and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your podcast platform of choice. You can also send us your questions, comments, and suggestions for discussion topics at thepublichealthinsight.gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.